This isn't my text, but I want to begin with Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 15, that says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Can someone say praise? Can someone say praise God? continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. What? Giving thanks to his name. Amen. You know, I believe some of the richest praise that can ever be released, some of the richest praise that we can ever do comes from someone whose feelings don't necessarily agree with their convictions at that time. Sometimes we just don't feel like it, but yet we do it. I mean, think about it. It's spiritually childish when the only time we praise God is when things are going right. We don't just praise God because he was Santa Claus today. Hello? We praise God because his name is great, and he is great, and his name is above every name. And so with that in mind, let's look at Genesis chapter 21. We're going to read verses 5, beginning at verse 5, and we're going to read through verse 14. Genesis 21, beginning at verse 5. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Ha, 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 ha. So the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And it just so happened as Sarah was standing at the kitchen sink, she looked out the window And she saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. The snot-nosed kid was out there making fun of her precious baby boy. Verse 10, therefore Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Now I'm going to take a break right there. And did you notice that the Bible says that Abraham was displeased because of his son? But yet when God spoke to him, God said, don't let it be displeasing to you because of the lad or because of your bond woman. See, Abraham wants us to think that the only reason he's he's upset is because he's not going to get to see Ishmael grow up. But isn't it interesting that God sees through it and says, I know you're not just upset about that boy. You're also upset about that woman. See, sometimes, sometimes we try to dress up our prayer so we'll look good. But God sees all, God knows all, and He knows what's in our heart. 
So God tells Abraham, hey, man, this temper tantrum you're having isn't totally about that boy. You're upset because Sarah just doesn't want you to put out Ishmael. She wants his mama gone too. Continuing, continuing, verse number 12. God's talking here. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. Why? For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is also your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Abraham is known as the father of faith. And God tells Abraham that his descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. But you see, Abraham knew that he had married a barren woman. Sarah couldn't, couldn't have children. And so, in his human mind, he concludes because of patriarchal law that the son of his servant, Eliezer, is the heir that God must be talking about. Friend, don't you know that we can really make a mess of things when we think that we need to help God out? God doesn't need you to cover up for him as if he's incapable and can't fulfill his word. If God told you he's going to bring something to pass, he is able to bring it to pass without excuse, without exception, and certainly without your help. He is God all by himself. But yet Abraham thinks that this promise of God is going to come through a servant. But God says, calm down, Carl. I don't need your help to fulfill my promise. I can do it on my own. Well, next, Sarah step, steps up into the batter's box. And she tries to help God out. Sarah has a servant named Hagar. And and Sarah says something to Abraham that, that it's just it's difficult to explain. You see, because I've been married a lot of years. And Sister Starla has never said, um, I'll tell you what, baby. Um, I've got a headache tonight, but I've got a friend. I'm just saying. You know, it's hard to describe something in the scripture that you've never seen. My mom never said that to my dad. My grandma never said that, that my, said that to my grandpa. In fact, in all my years of counseling, I don't know of any woman who really felt comfortable in giving up her husband and renting him out to some other woman. Now, I've talked with a lot of women who wanted to sell their husband, but not loan him out. That's exactly what Sarah does in Genesis chapter 16. She says to Abraham, go in and sleep with my maid. And we'll make this promise of God come to, bat, come to pass through a surrogate mother. And folks, listen, I'm not talking about artificial insemination either. I'm talking about the real deal. And so Hagar and Abraham not only become involved in a physical relationship, they become involved in an emotional 
relationship. I think we would be like to live in that, in that tent with Abraham, Sarah, and the maid. Talk about an episode of Two's Company and Three's a Crowd. And think what it would be like for Sarah to know that you sent him in the room to be with her. See, sometimes in our attempt to manipulate circumstances, we start a ball rolling that we just can't stop. And Sarah has started something that now she can't control. Let me warn you control freaks. Is there any control freaks here? Let me warn you that you can manipulate something that later creates a huge dilemma in your life. And it may take years to correct something that you did impulsively simply because you have to control issues and you want to regulate everything. Man, I'm preaching good already. It's good already. Listen, it is just better to stay out of it and let God do it his way. Sarah was extremely naive to think that she could manipulate the circumstance to get what, to get what she wanted without there being any consequences. Well, another thing about Sarah is that at that stage, at that time, Sarah had a faith problem. You see, because she really doesn't believe that God is going to bless her. And that's why Sarah thought that she needed this Egyptian slave to fulfill the promise of God because she was looking at her circumstance instead of trusting in the one who promised her her blessing. Have you ever known someone that, who was so sure that their situation could not get any better that they never really believed God could help them? I mean, I've seen people shout their hair down, but yet they don't believe that God can change their marriage. Well, these people have a faith problem because they just don't believe that God can help them through their storm, their crisis, or their dilemma. And what they do is they shout over the idea of God, but the reality of God and His power completely escapes them. They go through the motions of faith, but they continue in the spirit of rebellion and manipulation because they really think that they have to help God out. And Sister Sarah draws us a very clear picture of this. So here we find ourselves in this dilemma. Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. And so Hagar conceives. And she's pregnant with a child that Abraham has always wanted. Again, think about Sarah. I mean, Hagar is starting to show. She calls out, Abraham, Abraham, oh, come here, oh, come here. The baby just kicked. Come feel. Abraham, did you feel that? And Sarah, Abraham's wife, is left completely out of this situation because Hagar has something in common with Abraham that Sarah does not. 
But I want you to know something, friend. When God says something, you can put it in the bank. God is true to his word. So in Genesis 18, God tells Abraham that he will have a child with Sarah. Well, it just so happens that Sarah is eavesdropping, and in verse 12, the Bible says Sarah laughed within herself, saying, I have, after I've grown old, am I still going to have a good time with my husband being an old man also? Keep my business to yourself. Hear me? You just leave me out of your conversations. Well, I want you to know because God always keeps his word. When Hagar and Abraham's son Ishmael was almost 12 years old, lo and behold, Sarah gets pregnant. And so now we come to our text. Sarah has birthed Isaac. And when he's weaned, Sarah looks out the window and she sees Ishmael making fun of his half-brother, Isaac. And like any mama bear, she says, forget this. That girl and that snotty-nosed kid's got to go. And well, Abraham, I mean, you know, he does what all husbands do when their wives corner them and they don't want to comply. He gets mad. <laughs> The final masculine frontier, when all else fails, men get mad. Now, not me, of course. I don't, I don't do that. I've never done that. Lightning may strike here in a minute. I better, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. So he goes for a walk. See, Sarah was naive enough to think that Abraham could spend intimate time with Hagar and not become emotionally attached. Hagar is called a bondwoman because she's a slave, but maybe Hagar is also called the bondwoman because Abraham has bonded with the bondwoman. So now Sarah is trying to straighten out a problem that she helped to create. And so she says, put her out and send the kid with her. See, it, it's easy for Sarah to say, put her out. Because Sarah hasn't, hasn't bonded with the bondwoman. Isn't it easy to tell people what they ought to do when we have no attachment? When we don't have a dog in the fight? I mean, it's easy to be spiritual. It's easy to be critical when you haven't become attached to, the own, to that thing, but yet you tell other people that they need to get rid of. But you better be careful, Judge Judy. Because even though it's easy for you to set me straight about something I bonded with, there is a real good chance that there's something in your life that you need to let go of. I mean, Sarah was foolish to think that Abraham could be with Hagar and not become attached. You see, because anything you allow to continue in your life for a period of time, there is a bond that develops between you and it. And the deeper the bond, the more difficult it is to break. And so Abraham, the great man of faith, has become bonded to something that is in sharp contradiction to his destiny and his purpose. 
You know, it's one thing to participate in a one-night stand. But it's a whole nother thing to spend time and to listen and to emotionally get to know someone. See, to Sarah, she was, she was, Hagar was just an Egyptian slave. But that's because Sarah had not heard Hagar talking about her baby and her dreams and their future as she fell asleep in Abraham's arms. See, every day Abraham spent with a bondwoman, he became more bound to the bondwoman. And you really don't know how tied you are to something until you try to give it up. How many times have you heard someone say, oh, I'm not addicted to cigarettes, I can quit whenever I want. That is until they try to quit. Perhaps you have known, like I have known, people who've said, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a pornographer. I don't have a problem with drugs. How dare you say that? And they don't even know that they're addicted until they try to stop. You can become bound to something and not even realize that it has become ingrained in you and that it can contradict your destiny with God. You see, because eventually you are going to have a head-on collision with God's call for your life, and He will require you to give up something that you find it very difficult to give up. Abraham is mad, but he doesn't want to admit that it's even remotely about Hagar, so he leaves it at, he leaves it at I'm upset about my son. How interesting how God knows us even when we are in denial. I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. Denial. Emotional ties, worldly bonds, addictions that are created between you and other people and other things and other situations where we become tied, dependent, or codependent upon them. See, that's why it's always better to take your burdens to the Lord and let Him shoulder them. Because if you don't, sometimes in a crisis you may cry on a different shoulder that you might find yourself wrapped around too tightly. Whew. Worldly ties that are difficult to break and even more dangerous to keep. So Abraham, the great man of faith, is tied to a situation where he has a tiger by the tail. He's mad. He's in denial because he can't admit that he doesn't want to break away. So much so that Abraham even lies to God about it and says, this is just about the boy. And God says, not so, Abro. You have become bound to the bondwoman. Now, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, okay, Mike, yeah, nice story. But what does this have to do with Hebrews 13, 15 that you began the message with? The one that says, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Well, you know, we think that praise is a hallelujah. 
We like to think that praise is lifting our hands and worshiping God out loud. We like to think that praise is dancing in his presence. And, and it is. And it's true. And it's great. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a dimension to praise that has nothing to do with bodily or vocal expressions. And it's when there is something in your life that you have become extremely attached to, and yet God tells you, give it up. Now, when God says to give it up, that's not something that you can, you can dance through. It's not something you can shout over. You can't throw your hands up and avoid the issue because now Jesus is asking, like he did in John 21, 15, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the thing that you're bound to. And this is a lot easier to preach than it is to live. See, because it's easier for Sarah to dismiss Hagar because Sarah's not bound to her. I don't know about you, but you know, I could pour liquor down the drain without giving it a second thought. I can flush pills down the toilet all day long. Because I'm not attached to those things. But the things that you can flush, the things that you can pour are not a sacrifice. I'm not talking about the stuff that you can easily walk away from. I'm talking about that little security blanket. I'm talking about that crutch that puts your faith in contradiction to what God has called you to be. You say, Lord, I'll never deny you. But the Lord says, watch out. Before the rooster crows, you're going to do it again. Contradictions. Do you think it could get any quieter in here? <laughs> Obviously, Abraham is bound to the boy and the bondwoman. Hagar gave him a son, but it was a mistake. Sarah gave him Isaac, which, which is a miracle. So Abraham's mistake and his miracle are both growing up together. See, life works out a whole lot better when you can put your mistakes over here and put your miracles over there. But it, isn't it a mess when they both grow up together? Now, don't try to read anything into what I said that the mistakes are over by the organ. <laughs> don't. I, I didn't mean anything like that. But see, for a while, you can get your mistake and your miracle to live together in the same house without one making fun of the other. But you can be sure sooner or later your mistake is going to mock your miracle. You know what I'm talking about. When your mistake says to your miracle, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you said you were healed. Well, then why this or why that? Have you ever had two contradictory things existing and both of them were your kids? One of them was born out of the flesh and the other one was born out of the spirit. 
But yet you could deny either one of them because they both look just like you. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, hey, this is the devil's baby. No, devil didn't do this to you, Flip Wilson. You did it to yourself. This is your offspring. See, it's easy to walk away from something that's not you, but Abraham could not look at Ishmael and deny that it was his child. And likewise with Isaac. And so now Abraham's right and Abraham's wrong have run into each other and they're mocking each other and God finally says, Hey, bub, you got to choose. You got to choose. And so what are you going to do, Abraham, when the right in you starts fighting with the wrong in you? You see, because, because it may be about your mistake and your miracle, but let's be honest. Some of it is about that bondwoman. Now notice something with me. God didn't put out Hagar nor Ishmael. He told Abraham, to do it. There's a, song, there's a song that's called Search Me, Lord. And part of the lyric says, Search me, Lord, turn your light from heaven down on my soul. If you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and straighten me. <laughs> but you know what? Most of the time when God does turn the light on you, He generally doesn't take anything away from you. He doesn't put out your Hagar. He doesn't dismiss your Ishmael. You have to do it. And I have to do it. But you see, that's why God will get the glory out of it. See, when you take something that you could have used and enjoyed and benefited from, but yet you say, Lord, I'm not going to consume this on me, but instead I'm going to offer it up to you as a praise, that is the sacrifice of praise. Anytime you deny your flesh and tell your flesh, no, I love God more than I love my flesh, that is the sacrifice of praise. Sarah said put her out, but Sarah didn't have the authority to put her out. Someone else can tell you all day long what you ought to do, but when it boils down to it, you are the one that has to do it. And when you do it, it becomes a sacrifice of praise because you are the one who's bound to it. Since you're the one who birthed it, you're the one who has to offer it up. Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. The preacher can't do it. You, as an act of your conscience, is going to have to make that decision. This is the sacrifice of praise. And I'm not going to lie to you. You can't do it without it hurting doesn't mean anything until it brings a tear to your eye. You may limp. 
because of it. But I will tell you this, you will never be the same again if you will make that sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to stop sugarcoating those things in our life that we're bound to. And we need to make the decision to give God the sacrifice. See, it wouldn't be hard to put her out if she didn't mean anything. But it's when you're bound to the bondwoman that putting her out becomes a sacrifice of praise. And God says, I know you're torn between two emotions. I know you have a connection with her and you have a connection with me. And so there is a tension that exists when you're torn between two loves, but yet God won't force you to put her out. And he just stands there with his arms open. Asking you to bring him the sacrifice. And if we're honest, we can't say we won't miss them or think about them. But as much as we have connection to them, we love him more. This is the sacrifice. And if you really want to bless God, if you ever really decide to give God glory, offer up something that you're bound to and say, in spite of the connection we had, I am going to choose God. This is a sacrifice of praise. This is more than a knee-jerk decision. It's because our pull towards Him is stronger than our pull towards our past. And you're going to have to break the grip of your past to be able to have God's future. And you see, this is what praise is really all about. And friend, you are going to have to do it because the church won't do it. We have louder, serv louder services than ever, but we have less power than ever. We've got more equipment than ever, but we have less miracles than ever. We have more professionals than ever, but we've got less deliverance than we've ever had because we're good at doing church, but we are not good at sacrificing. See, that's why we have the iPhone instead of the hymn phone. Dance, shout, lay prostrate on the floor, and all those are wonderful expressions of praise. Don't misunderstand me. But if you ever get serious about blessing God, it's going to cost you something. To get to the place of glory that you've been praying for, to get to the kind of anointing that causes demons to tremble, to get to the place in God where you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, you cannot stay in the house with Hagar. So in Genesis chapter 21, verse 14, Abraham goes in the kitchen, gets a loaf of bread and a skin of water, and gives it and the boy to Hagar and sends him away. And he says, you know, God will take care of you. I know, I know that I said I would, but, but I can't. 
if I'm going to keep my promise to him. So I've got to break this cycle in my life. You've got to go. Because if you stay, it's going to keep me from my destiny. God said to Abraham, I'm going to take care of Hagar and your boy. But you see, I had to test your heart to see if I could accomplish what I want to in your life. And I couldn't do it as long as you were bound to the bondwoman. So I had to give you the choice to break the grip on this thing that had you. You see, because it is not through Ishmael, but it's through Isaac that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abraham watches as Hagar and the boy his own son, mind you, leave and head to the wilderness of Beersheba. And it was a sacrifice of praise. Now, I'd like to tell you that Abraham goes back in the house and never thinks of them again. But I've lived way too long to believe that. I'd like to tell you that he, Sarah, and Isaac live happily ever after without a care in the world, but if you know anything about the Bible, you know better than that. But I will tell you that sacrifice is a painful thing. Or it's not a sacrifice. Every person in this room who has any walk with God at all, somewhere in your life, you have had to make a choice to give up something to be where you are right now. And it was a sacrifice of praise. Living with the aching, living with the weeping, this is a sacrifice of praise. You see, Abraham gave up the woman and, and his boy, not for Sarah and not for Isaac, but for God. And when God saw that Abraham loved him like that, it took their relationship But the story's not over because later, in Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham at another crossroads. And God said in verse 2, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him there as a burnt offering. And we talk about what great faith it took for Abraham to offer Isaac, and it did, no doubt about it. But once you have submitted to God, once you've given everything to God and you realize that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you, you can say, if I could give up Ishmael, I can give up Isaac because I know God is working out everything for my good. Friend, if you've ever given up one thing, I know that you're not going to let this thing you're facing now stop you. You need to tell the devil brought me through that, if I made it all these years without that, if I learned how to push through my depression and like Job say, though he slay me, I will trust him. If I made it through another week without a drink, without taking a hit, without a pill, or without sin, I know that there is no weapon that is formed against me that will prosper. In every person's life, if they're a true follower of Jesus Christ, there is a Hagar wandering through a desert detached 
from a pre-existing relationship that says, to whom much is given, much is required. To reach our destiny in God, everyone has to go through something that breaks us on the altar. And leaves us desperately needing God. See, real worship is born in the mouth of someone who has nowhere to turn. Who has no solution for their dilemma. Who has no answer for their problem. Except God. And sooner or later, all Christians... Sooner or later, everyone in this room. Sooner or later, you and me are going to have to answer the question. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the bondwoman? Do you love me more than your worldly ties. See, because how much is it worth you to have that next level of God's anointing? Well, see, that's a sacrifice of praise. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, take up your cross and follow me. <clears throat> but now, do you really think that he was talking about wood? I mean, perhaps your cross may be your home life. Maybe your cross may be your financial situation. But your cross just might be a wandering Hagar that you sent in the wilderness to have to die. See, because everyone has something in their life that nails their flesh to that tree at Calvary. And it's a sacrifice of praise when you endure it. But yet you say, hallelujah, anyhow. When you finally get to the place where you can say, glory to God, anyhow. Where you can finally say, thank you, Jesus, anyhow. Now that is some praise. You see, because here's the thing. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the cost of the oil in your alabaster box. No one knows what you went through and walked away from. No one knows the cost of your oil except God. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. You see, this is what makes Hebrews 13, 15 special. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. See, everyone heard you say, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> but only God really knew what you meant. Everyone heard you say, hallelujah. But only God knows what you paid to be able to say it. And so you may be here today, but you're still living with your Hagar. 
You may, you may come to church most Sundays, but yet you're, you're still living with that contradiction in your spiritual life. Perhaps today, your miracle and your mistake are living in the same tent. Friend, God is calling you to leave your past. And he's calling you to walk into his destiny. Today, he's calling you to praise him with all you have. If you're here today, and you have sin in your life, you're not living for the Lord, you have ties to the world, you know that they're not pleasing him, and you need to be forgiven, would you raise your hand? You need God's forgiveness today. You can put them down. Friend, God has something so special for you. But you've got to give him your all. Would you stand with me? Elders, would you come and <clears throat> take your place around these altars? <clears throat>